You may have noticed we left myrrh out, but uh, myrrh is still one of the gifts. Um, we, we've acknowledged that maybe enough today, and we will further. Pray with me. Loving God, bless this household. May we be blessed with health, goodness of heart, gentleness, and abiding in your will. May all who come to our home this year rejoice to find Christ living among us, and may we seek and serve in everyone we meet that same Jesus who is your incarnate word, now and forever. Amen. Sometimes when I meet someone for the first time and they ask what I do, I play that little game of giving them three guesses. Some are amused, some are annoyed, but it's not always easy to come out as a pastor in certain circles. It isn't that I'm in any way ashamed of what I do, but there are circumstances in which I hope people will get to know me before they pigeonhole me or judge me for what I do. Trust me, there are folk out there who have a negative, knee-jerk reaction to hearing you're a Baptist pastor. We have not always had the best publicity nor have we always been true to the gospel, and it comes back to haunt us, as it should. Anyway, three seems to be the number for the day. Three gifts, three kings, three faces to the Godhead, the Trinity, and now three questions. Of course, the text does not actually say there were three wise ones or magi, it does speak of three gifts, so tradition has also come to claim that there were three astrologers, students of the stars, who followed one great star from Persia or Arabia to Jerusalem and on to the village of Bethlehem in search of the one whose coming the star proclaimed. In that time and place, it was not at all improbable that events of religious and political significance would be predicted by the heavens. Tom Wright says, The ancient world, innocent of streetlights, never forgot the night sky. Many people, especially in countries to the east of Palestine, had developed the study of the stars and the planets to a fine art, giving each one very particular meaning. He continues, they believed after all that the whole world, the whole universe was of a piece. Everything was interconnected. And when something important was happening on earth, you could expect to see it reflected in the heavens. Alternatively, a remarkable event among the stars and planets must mean, they thought, that a remarkable event was taking place on earth. 
perhaps these ancients were wiser than we have ever imagined or given them credit in their understanding of this interconnectedness of all creation. So we sang Christmas, uh, Sunday before Christmas, God's love made visible, incomprehensible, and yes, indivisible. This love shall reign. Now, Matthew is not nearly the storyteller that Luke is. Just the facts is more his way of making his case. So we only get the bare bones of what could be a wonderful story. In fact, people have tried over the centuries to enlarge and embellish this tale from O. Henry's compassionate and generous The Other Wise Man to Menotti's Amal and the Night Visitors, my favorite Christmas opera, in which the star plays a major role in the miraculous healing of a poor crippled boy. What the text does tell us is that the Magi showed up at the court of Herod the Great. Now anyone in Matthew's time would have known what a despot Herod was and that his court was certainly not the right place to come looking for a new king. Still, it would have been very logical for these stargazers to begin there, especially assuming they had not heard of Herod's horrible reputation. So we're led to our first question. Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? You can imagine old Herod was not thrilled to hear from, the from these foreigners that his replacement had been born without his even knowing it. The greater his paranoia, in fact, the greater his brutality in dealing with potential usurpers, including his own sons, which he had murdered and imprisoned and so forth. Despite his cunning attempts to manipulate the Magi, we see from our distance clearly his murderous intent. Where is the child? His own nervous wise men, chief priests and scribes, prophets and advisors scurry to find an answer. Where is this child to be born? They find evidence in Isaiah's prophecy that Bethlehem is probably their best bet. Oh, little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep the silent stars go by, yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee this night. In Matthew's account, the answer to the first question, where is the child who has been born king of the Jews, is in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. So the Magi journey on until the star stops over the place where the child was. Notice there is no mention of a stable or a manger 
or shepherds or barnyard animals in Matthew's account, just the place where Mary, Joseph, and the baby are staying. Immediately, it says, on entering the house, they fell to their knees in tribute and adoration. At the climax of Healy Willen's beautiful setting of Lawrence Hausman's poem, The Three Kings, the weary travelers receive this ecstatic invitation. Come in, come in, ye kings, and kiss the feet of God. This brings us to the second question. What can we give this holy one? this child of God. Oh, the Magi are prepared. From their great wealth, they produce their treasures, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Tradition has made these gifts fit for the king of kings and lord of lords. Born a king on Bethlehem's plain, gold we bring to crown him again. Frankincense to offer have I, incense owns a deity high. Myrrh is mine, its bitter perfume breathes a life of gathering gloom. King, holy one, the word made flesh who will die and rise again. These gifts are symbols for the life and ministry of Jesus the Christ laid at his infant feet. Their quest concluded their homage paid, their gifts given, the Magi are then warned in a dream not to trust Herod, not to return to Jerusalem to give their report. This brings us to the third somewhat puzzling question. How then do we get home from here? They knew the route they had traveled. Surely it would bring them home more quickly simply to retrace their steps, right? Satisfying as their encounter with the Holy One had been, they had traveled a long way over many days. Thoughts of home and what they left behind must have been stirring them to want to return as soon as they could. You know, you've been on a trip, right? That uh, it comes to the end and it's just, you just know it's time to go home. But faithful followers that they were, they heeded the angel's warning and headed out on a new journey that eventually would bring them back to where they started. Perhaps the Magi were, are the inspiration for T.S. Eliot's poetic proclamation, we shall not cease from exploration and the end of all our exploring will be to arrive where we started and know the place for the first time. For undoubtedly, they would never be the same after this sacred journey. They must return home by a different route, for they are now different beings than the wise ones who struck out so long ago to find the birthplace of a king. Little did they understand the power and majesty of this baby born to peasant parents in a Palestinian backwater. God's love made visible, incomprehensible. Christ is invincible. His love shall reign. 
once returned, their homely surroundings might have seemed familiar, but they would never look at the world in the same way again. Three questions. Where's the child? What can we give? How do we get home from here? Questions to which the writer of Matthew crafted responses long ago. But what if we were to ask ourselves these same questions today? Where is the child born to be king in our own lives and times? Where is the Christ currently taking root? Where is God incarnate today? This ancient account places the Holy One in the poorest of circumstances and suggests that this is the place we look for Emmanuel, God with us. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. Where do we find the child if not born and living in each of us with compassion, with justice, with peace, love, and welcome for all? If the Christ is to be alive in the world today, it must be within you and me and all who fall on their knees and proclaim him the holy human one who shows us the way to right living in God's beloved community. What can we give? Gold, frankincense, myrrh? I doubt that most of us could bring treasure so rich and rare, even if we had it. In her beautiful poem, In, a Ble In the Bleak Midwinter, Christina Rossetti asks, what can I give him, poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. Yet what can I give him? Give my heart. Or as Reginald Heber observed, vainly we offer each ample oblation, vainly Jesus' favor secure. Richer by far is the heart's adoration. Dearer to God are the gifts of the poor. See, in this poetic sense, what would it mean for each of us to give our heart to the Holy One? How would we be different? And what difference would it make in this world in which we live and in which we work together to build a house where all are truly welcome? Where love and justice rule and peace with well-being is the way of life. then how do we get home from here? Now my vehicle has learned the way to Mesa Verde Drive East from here and back. It travels, I, it, I wrote it travels a set route. That's not entirely true because there are kind of two or three different ways you could go that are pretty much equidistant, but basically my car knows the way. It travels a, route, a set route to and from frequently I'm pretty sure we've discovered the quickest way to cover the two and a half miles or so between home and here. But there are other routes that would get me here in a safe and timely manner as well. 
And what of that other home? Then the, the, one we have, um, the one we have in God's beloved community in the house where all are welcome, what of that home? It's more difficult to be certain we know the way there. We think we do. And we give it our best shot much of the time. But are there other better ways to get there than the ones we have traveled so far? I think that's always a nagging question for those who have encountered the living God in Bethlehem's baby. Is there another better way to walk than the one we've been traveling? As with the Magi, we too may be asked to try a different way, a new route to avoid the pitfalls of evil that threaten to undo us. Will we be open to such a challenging adventure? Is finding our home in God's beloved community worth the risk? Perhaps Jan Richardson in that poem says it best in her Blessing of the Magi. We cannot show you the route that will take you home. That way is yours and will be found in the walking. But we tell you, you will wonder at how the light you thought you had left behind goes with you, spilling from your empty hands, shimmering beneath your homeward feet, illuminating, illuminating the road with every step you take. May it be so for us. Amen.